our final message. I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll just we'll just launch into it. We will be uh, discussing this morning verses seven through ten. Now, Friday night we looked at verse verse three. We just looked at one verse, and then Saturday night we looked at four, five, and six. But tonight we are going to cover the last four. I'm sorry, this morning, <laughs> we will cover the last four Beatitudes. But let me just, let me read to you uh, all of them, and then we'll, we'll go. Starting at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then what we will begin with today is verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then our Lord Jesus went on to expound a, a, a little bit on verse 10. He said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now let's listen to what God would say to us from these, from these verses. Before I begin on that, I want to just say too... Um, as you all know, we went through a major pandemic that permanently affected um, America. But I want you to know that for the last two, three hundred years, there's been a major pandemic that has swept through our, our land, a major virus that no one talks about. But it's very real and it's much more destructive. What is it? It is the, the virus or the pandemic or the disease or the scourge or whatever you want to call it of having an impoverished view of Almighty God. We have, and you can trace this out in church history, in American church history, our view of God used to be so great and so high. Well, now that view of God has gone down, 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 down. And what's happened? In the midst of this, our view of human nature, our view of man has gone up, 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 up. And so now we are pushing God out to the sidelines of civilization because we think glory to man in the highest is what we say. And so sadly, the effect of that is when we preach the word, we, when we even use words like God or saved or even Jesus or the cross, we have little idea of the depth of those words, the depth 
of what was accomplished 2,000 years ago on a Friday afternoon when Christ died and suffered for our sins. And so we are in need of a great recovery of a high view of God. And we are in need of much humility before God. Well, when Christ gave these Beatitudes, he was God in the flesh speaking. And as I said on Friday night, the people were astonished. They, they just didn't know how to react to this except for to put their hand over their mouth. And they said, we've never heard teaching like this before. We've heard the scribes and other people kind of yammer. But here is, a, is an authoritative word from heaven. And that very same word is affecting us and is being given to us, that me included, this morning. And so let's look at it. Verse 7. We've, we've talked about how these Beatitudes are the exact opposite of the world. The exact opposite. The world treasures power and glory. God treasures a person who admits their bankruptcy and sin and so on. Uh, the world says you're happy if you have good circumstances. God says, blessed are they that mourn over their sin and over sin in general. They're, they're heartbroken that it even exists. The world says, blessed are the powerful, the strong, those who get ahead in life by throwing elbows. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The world says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after glory and fame and entertainment, pursue that at all costs. Jesus says, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The world says, blessed are those who dish out justice. And if somebody steps on your property and does something wrong, you just dish it out. And you'll be happy. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Well, what does this mean, to be merciful? What does it mean to be merciful? There are two in the scriptures. One is, when somebody is merciful to you, okay, they do not give you what you deserve. Okay? How has God been merciful to us in that, in that manner? We deserve hell, don't we? We deserve ju the justice of God to smite us and to condemn us. But instead, God had mercy on us in the person of Christ. And those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, who have, who have ran to the cross for refuge, have experienced mercy. And we live in mercy right now. And God says, Thank, blessed are the merciful, those who treat others this way. And can you see how all these beatitudes, <laughs> it's almost like you have to marshal the forces. All of these come together to enable us to, to, to be 
merciful, for example, to be any of this. Because the poor in spirit can't help but be merciful, right? When you realize you have nothing to give a holy God and you re rely on mercy, you are going to give mercy to others. And you shall obtain mercy. So one definition is not receiving not getting what we deserve, that is mercy, and not dishing out on others what they deserve. Uh, we have mercy on them. And then a second definition is, is just compassion. Compassion. To be merciful to others is to have their pain in your heart. And so that is a great way to describe mercy. It's your pain in my heart. And so you're not alone. But when a person is merciful to you, they are walking life with you. They're thinking of you. They're feeling your pain and your misery. And Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Well, let's move on to verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Here it's important to understand what the Bible means when it says the heart. Now obviously every one of us has a, an organ here. I think it's an organ, right? Am I right? Brian's also a great scientist. So, <laughs> but yeah, we all have, we're, we're, we're functioning, we're alive because our heart is beating, our physical heart. But we also have what we would call a spiritual heart, all of us. And here's how it's been defined. I want to read this to you. The heart is the core of each of us, where we think, feel, choose, and believe basic beliefs. And so God created us before the fall. God created us sinless. Our heart was absolutely perfect in Adam before the fall, before sin entered the world, before Adam fell. We perfectly thought about God. We didn't diminish who God is. We didn't um, fudge a little bit on who we are and kind of give ourselves excuses. But there was a perfect thinking about all categories of life. We had perfect feeling before sin entered the world. We felt appropriate things. And our, our feelings were without sin. We chose absolutely perfect. Every time, 100% of the time, we chose the right thing. Believing basic beliefs, we believed all that God had required of us to believe, all that he had disclosed to Adam and Eve. In Adam, we believed the same things. And so we, there, was a, there was a time where mankind was sinless. How are you now? If, if I were to take a YouTube video of what you are thinking, of what you and I are feeling, 
of what you and I are choosing and of what you and I were believing in our beliefs. Would, would we want that YouTube video to be broadcast out into the world? What do you think? No way. <laughs> in fact, we, would, we, would, we just wouldn't want that at all because we are sinners. Though we're redeemed and though we're saved and though we have a new nature, that's right, we are, we are walking in obedience or at least beginning to walk in obedience. Yet still, this side of heaven, we have a heart that is still corrupt in many ways. In fact, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, Above all things, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Beyond all cure, who can understand it? That's a description of our hearts from the prophet Jeremiah. And it's actually God speaking it through Jeremiah. Uh, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. And so in and of ourselves, beloved, our hearts are corrupt. And so I want to ask you if that's true, and it is, how in the world can we have a pure heart? How can our, the word pure there is like gold refined by fire where there's no impurity in it. There's no dross. There's nothing but pure gold. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. So how can we have a pure heart? Well, we've been talking about it all weekend. When we turn to Christ and confess our sins, he purifies our hearts. And we, we are considered to be pure of heart. As we live sincerely before Almighty God, confessing the truth of our life, we are pure in heart. And out of that, there is a, a desire to pursue living for the glory of Almighty God. And so we want to do that. Do you remember what, what was just read to us from Isaiah 6, where Isaiah saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, in a train of, of God's robe filled the temple. And what Isaiah heard was a non-stop proclaiming of the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That vision that, that Isaiah had of a manifestation of God took place around 738 B.C. Fast forward in time to the book of Revelation. When you go to the book of Revelation in chapter 4, you see the creatures of heaven saying something. Do you remember what they say? Yeah. Holy, holy. And it says day and night. They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's God. The praise of his holiness cannot be exhausted. From 738 B.C., and I would argue since before time began, <laughs> to, 
through Revelation to the end, the creatures of heaven are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And yet Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. You and I, beloved, are pure in heart because of Christ. And we now are set free to live for the honor and the glory of God and to begin to grow in an actual purity <laughs> where we do think God's thoughts, we do feel correctly, we do choose correctly by the almighty power of the Holy Spirit, and we grow in believing basic beliefs about who God is. Does that make sense? Is that encouraging? It's, it's a blessing to us. Next, verse, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The peacemakers. Those who have the ability, the gifting, and again, all of these beatitudes kind of build on each other, and they enable us to be peacemakers, to step into a situation with the good news of the gospel of grace and bring people to Christ and bring people to have peace with God. Years ago, a terrible thing happened to me. I was in a, a certain place and uh, doing ministry with a team of, of people. And one of the people that we were ministering to had just terribly harmed his wife. He had, he had beaten his wife. And the leader came to me, the leader of our group, and he said, Chuck, this is what's happened. And I was not married at the time. And he said, you need to go over and talk to I'll, I'll call his name Jim. You need to go talk to Jim um, about what he's done. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not married. And you are so much older and so much wiser. You're the one that should be going. And he said, he said Chuck, I really think you're, you, you need to do it. Well, you talk about feeling inadequate. I remember driving over to this man's house. And I just thought, I've got nothing. I've got no resources, Father, to, to give to this situation. I don't know what I'm going to say when he opens the door. I don't know anything of what to do. But God, by faith, I'm going. And I was scared. Well, I knocked on the door, and he opened it up. And I said, Jim... I know all about it. And he said, come on in. And he confessed it, what he had done. And I listened, and I listened, and I listened. And I started to apply to him the grace of God, the message of grace, not compromising, not ignoring what he had done, but taking what he had done to the foot of the cross 
helping him to receive forgiveness from God and then to ask forgiveness of his wife. Well, that was some 20 years ago. How do you think things have been since then? Well, it never happened again. And they are active in a church in a different city to this day. Now, that is Jesus doing that. Uh, because as I said, I had nothing. But it's the gospel of grace enabling, uh, enabling us to be peacemakers, to step into a life and to love them and to share the good news of God's grace with truth and with the gospel, bringing them to the cross. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. You see, beloved, children of God are uniquely enabled to be peacemakers. You know, the government can try to make peace with things. How is that going? <laughs> Think about it. They say racism, racism, racism. Yeah, racism's around. It's terrible. But they're just making things worse, are they not? Because they don't have Christ. They don't have grace. They don't have the cross. But the children of God have these things. And we can be peacemakers. And then finally, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, think about this. Jesus is saying blessed, that is, be extremely happy, be congratulated, be praised for being persecuted. Does that make sense? Naturally, that does not make sense. And by the way, I am wimpus maximus, okay? I am a wimp beyond wimps. I hate persecution. I hate suffering. I confess that. I, I don't like it. And sadly, there have been times where I've kind of stepped back from a situation because I saw the bullets flying at me, and I'm ashamed. But I have done that. And um, <clears throat> we naturally do not like persecution. We naturally do not just salivate to suffer. <laughs> you know, we don't do that naturally. At least we shouldn't. But beloved... This is the word of Christ. And he's right, of course. To say that, even to say he's right is a silly thing to say. He is right. And why are we blessed, or why are we blessed when we are persecuted? Well, the answer is right here. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A mark that you are a godly person in Christ Jesus, a mark that you're on your way to heaven, is that you will be persecuted. You will be. It may be to a greater degree or to a lesser degree, but you will be persecuted. And I want to tell you one time, this is just one incident, and I know that many of you probably have gone through something much worse than what I'm going to share, and so please forgive me for, <laughs> for that. But I was, I was about to graduate from university, and I was feeling really happy. It was a beautiful day in May, 
and I was so excited about life ahead of me and, you know, finishing college and all that. And I was in my dorm room, and I was waiting for a phone call. I can't remember from whom. But I, I just thought, well, I'll have the door open. I'll walk down the hallway and just kind of hang out with some of the other guys in, in the dorm room, in our dorm. So I go down into another dorm room, and there's a bunch of guys I really didn't know, but I just walked in, and they said, hey, come on in. And they were, they were ready to party and ready to have a good time, and they were just having a great time. But they started talking about what is a successful life. What is a successful life? And they were asking each other this question. What do you think a successful life is? And they were saying, oh, man, I think it's just, just partying. It, it, the categories basically were let us eat, drink, and, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That was basically <laughs> their idea of, of success. And so I was listening to it, and I, and I really enjoyed these guys, and, and I wasn't, I was just enjoying them. And I, I liked talking to them, and it was just fun to hear. Well, then they came to me, and they said, well, Chuck, what do you think a successful life is? And what popped out of my mouth was this. I said, well, I think a successful life is knowing Jesus Christ and walking with him living for his glory and, you know, obeying him. And I think that really that's a, to me, that my understanding, that's a successful life. Um, that's, that's what I hope will be true of me as, a, as I graduate. And they just kind of went, and then my phone rang and I said, I'll be right back. And I ran down to get the phone call, talked to them for a couple minutes. And when I came back, I looked down the hallway. It was like from the hallway, I was standing here, and about where Brian is was the door to their room. The door was shut, and there was a sign on the door that said, No Christians allowed. A statement was made, right? <laughs> And I remember standing there, and the reason I'm telling you this is because of what I'm about to tell you. I stood there and looked at that sign, and I was sad. But I was so happy because at that very moment, I felt as though the arm of Jesus Christ was around me and as though he was saying to me, Chuck, you belong to me. You're mine, and I love you. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And we go through many worse things than that. That's a pretty, pretty uh, innocuous way to be persecuted, but nonetheless, you are identifying with Christ, and you, you experience the presence of Christ in the midst of the suffering. And people all the time talk about this. Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Oh, I, I should have said this. For righteousness' sake. That's important. You know, if I stand up on a corner and, and start yelling at people without loving them and start saying, you know, i, I got to be careful here, but, you know, if I start saying, put out that cigarette or else you're going to go to hell, okay? 
That's not necessarily righteousness, is it? That, that's a terrible thing to do. But when, so if, if you are, if you're obnoxious, if you're an, an obnoxious person and you suffer, don't, don't take glory for that. That's not a good thing. But if for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of having this godly character that we've been talking about all weekend, you are persecuted, that is a beautiful thing. And that is for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Maybe you have family members that are slandering you because you're a Christian. You know, and you, you can't defend yourself. The more you try to defend yourself, the worse it gets. Jesus says, blessed are you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so, <clears throat> when we suffer for Christ, realize we're in a good company. The prophets before us, the men of God before us, um, We're in their company. We stand in a great host of people. And it's an amazing gift that God has given to us. Years ago, I was a student at Moody Bible Institute. And um, we had, every once in a while, we would have guest speakers come in and, and, and speak for a class. Well, one day, this man from communist, I think, I can't remember, he was from a communist country, he had been thrown in prison for years for being for, for standing for Christ. He was thrown in. And he came and spoke to our class, but he was angry. And he he looked at us with anger and with, with a judgmental spirit because we weren't suffering. And he kind of he, he was really bitter, honestly. And I, I didn't like that. I thought, there's something wrong with you. It's strange. You're standing for the truth. The best way I know to say it is in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I am nothing. And so there was something wrong with this man. He um, was doing the right things, but he had no love. And so anyway, that was my re response to him or my thought about him. But then a few weeks later, I heard of another man coming to another class who had also been in a communist country and who had also suffered for Christ. And I thought, here we go again. Here we go again. Well, this man came. And he was totally different. He had scars on his back from being wounded and, and um, persecuted for Christ. He, he had the credentials of being a, a bona fide persecuted 
person. <laughs> and yet he had such meekness, such humility, and such kindness to him. This man, you see, he understood what we call the law and the gospel. And what I mean by that is he understood that he could never, ever love God enough to be saved. He understood that. He taught on this. He could never be good enough. All he had was Jesus Christ and resting in his merits alone. And so there was this beautiful joy about him and a sweetness about his life. And when he looked at you, he accepted you. He didn't judge you. He didn't condemn you. You see, he had been persecuted for righteousness' sake. And really, all these beatitudes came together in this man, uh, in, in the testimony of his life. His name, and Brian, you'll, you'll be amazed, his name was Richard Wormbrand. And he had written a book called Tortured for Christ, which is a, was a classic back in the 1900s. And I would urge you to read that book, Tortured for Christ. But that was Richard Warmbrand, totally different story. And his life gives an example of what it means to live by the gospel, to walk with God by the gospel, and to suffer for the gospel, resting in the merits of Christ. And so I pray for us, myself included, that we would be men and women and children who walk humbly with God, resting in Christ, boasting in Christ alone, enjoying his grace and his love, and yet letting him, trusting him to live for his glory, a life, a beautiful life for his glory. May God help us to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. In so many ways, Lord, in, in light of the fact that the creatures of heaven this very morning are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They are perfectly praising you as you deserve. Father, may each and every person in this room so praise you and give you the glory that you deserve. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but for the rest of our lives. May we join the chorus of heaven by our lip and by our life. We pray for the one who's being baptized today. What a great day. What a sweet day. And I pray that she would rejoice in her salvation and all the days of her life would be filled with your goodness and your mercy and that these would follow her all the days of her life and that she would grow to be a beautiful um, Christian who glorifies you. And so, and not just for her, not just for us, not just for me, but for Cowan, West Virginia,
Lord, may your, the gospel of grace, this, this almighty, powerful message, penetrate hard hearts here in Cowan. And may you do a great work, Holy Spirit, in our midst. And we thank you for the weekend. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.